Federal government alone spends four and a half billion dollars a year locking up people for drug offenses. It costs almost $28,000 a year just to incarcerate one prisoner. Compare that to the average annual tuition at a four-year public college, which is $5,491, and you realize that the drug war is blurring our nation's priorities. Taxpayers' money would be much better spent educating people instead of punishing them. But thanks to ever-increasing mandatory minimum drug sentences, an entire class of young people are being filtered into new supermax prisons while the resulting budget crunch forces the rest of us to go to old, dilapidated schools. The more money we dump into prisons, the less we have to invest in college campuses. Visit www.schoolsnotprisons.com to find out how you can get involved in the war against the war on drugs. Good afternoon to you, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. This is indeed the Shukri Wright Show, special edition, right here on 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford, Touch Reform Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thank you for making this show part of your Thursday afternoon, wherever you are listening, however you are listening. You can call into the program at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. Normally, you would be hearing cold cuts right about now, but the host for the show, she is out today. Amanda Butcher, she is out today, so I'm filling in for her. For those of you expecting to hear cold cuts, so you are going to be hearing me for the next hour. Not two hours, only for an hour. I'm here with you until 6 o'clock here talking sports with you right here on these airwaves. Now, I tend to talk sports on a multitude of levels. Some topics are hilarious. Some topics are serious. Some topics deserve 
the level of attention that I'm about to give it. This particular topic, I've had an exorbitant amount of time to really think about very heavily. And it started last night in which I talked about this briefly on yesterday's show about Cal Beach, who came out and admitted publicly that he was the Jane Doe who was identified as the player who had who had who had been a victim of sexual assault and rape in 2010 as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks and that in itself wasn't the thing that really struck a chord me last night it wasn't so I got home late yesterday afternoon, or late, late yesterday evening, rather, after the Celtics game, in which someone that I know, who I spoke with last night, really urged me to watch the interview that was done on TSN between Cal Beach and, I'm going to tell you the name of the TSN host, who who took who conducted the interview and he really did an outstanding job and I think this in itself is is absolutely rather uh remarkable I want to tell you exactly who like who who this person is or 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 like the person who conducted the interview because I think it's important that I talk about him for a moment but in the meanwhile I am, his name is Rick Westhead. Rick Westhead of TSN was the one who conducted the interview. And if you haven't seen the, the interview just yet, I recommend that you actually take the time to watch it. It's just a tick above 25 minutes long, very long. I admit that watching the interview... It made me very emotional at points. And one thing that I will say, and, I, and I'm going to play the, the interview in pieces as I go along in this monologue. That right now, because of this story, I absolutely have a really bad taste about the Chicago Blackhawks, especially the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks. I have a very, very, very tainted view of that team and that organization. Rick Westhead conducted the interview with Kyle, ba- Kyle Beach last night and asked some really poignant questions. In fact, what I am going to do now is that I'm going to play select portions of the interview for as long as, as I can in this segment and during the next segment because we need to have a discussion about this. So again, this is the interview from last night between Rick Westhead and Cal Beach, which aired on SportsCenter on TSN in Canada. This is courtesy of TSN. Here we go. Kyle, thank you very much for joining us uh, to talk about this. And just to start off, Kyle, yesterday was a momentous day, a day of reckoning. And... uh, can you walk us through 
how you were feeling when you were watching Reed Shar, the lawyer for Jenner and Block, read out some of the findings from his investigation into the Blackhawks. Thanks for having me, Rick. Um, and thank you for all you've done throughout this process since it first became public knowledge. Um, without you and your reporting, I'm not sure if we would be here today. So I want to thank you first. And yesterday was uh, a day of many emotions. Um, I cried, I smiled, I laughed, I cried some more. And uh, my girlfriend and I, uh, we, we didn't really know how to feel. We didn't really know how to think. Um, we just held each other and supported each other. She's Bianca's been my my rock from from the very beginning of this process, and I'm very fortunate to have her here and be able to lean on her and rely on her to help me on on those tough days. And I don't think I or we could have ever imagined what would have going to come out of yesterday's press conference. And uh, following it, uh, just a, a great feeling of relief, vindication, and it was no longer my word against everybody else's because a lot of things were made public, a lot of people were interviewed, and I really felt like there was a lot of lies told in the media. And it was very special and important to me to have that truth come out yesterday. Can you, just for people who aren't following European hockey, can you tell us a little bit about where you are now and who you're playing with? Yeah, I'm playing in Germany right now in a city called Erfurt uh, for the Black Dragons. Um, it's a small club uh, in the third league in Germany. To May of 2010 and just explain a little bit about what it was like to be called up to the Blackhawks as a black ace in the first place. So in 2010, I finished my, my junior season with the Spokane Chiefs, uh, and I was originally recalled to the Rockford Icehogs of the AHL. Um, and following our conclusion there, I believe we lost in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, several of us were then recalled to the Blackhawks as Black Aces, and I think any time that you get that phone call that you're going up, whether it's to play or to be a practice player, uh, but to be a part of that for the first time, besides the training camp, it was an uh, extremely special moment for me uh, and for my family. And, uh, you know, kind of the, the next step in, in pursuing my NHL dream uh, that I dreamed about and worked, about, worked for my entire life. So, um, unfortunately, uh, a couple of weeks after, um, those memories were, were tainted. Uh, and my life was changed forever. Coming out of those uh, those moments when the abuse took place, uh, I, I can't imagine what the subsequent days were like before we get into you know how it's affected you over the last 11 years. But what was it like in the days immediately after? Confusion? What were some of the emotions that you were feeling? <laughs> to be honest, I... That is Cal Beach talking with Rick Westhead. Before I even play the the answer to that, which which you will hear just very momentarily, the more that I, I reflect on watching this video for the first time last night and now playing this clip again, it is very, very tough to hear. Very. And the anger that I feel is... is 
on a multitude of levels. Number one, the Chicago Blackhawks. Stan Bowman, as, as I talked about in yesterday's program, resigned. But was that really enough? Was that enough? The, on, the honest answer is no. But what angers me even more is the players. The players who knew and did absolutely nothing. The people who knew and protected Brad Aldrich and did absolutely nothing are the ones who ought to be held not only liable, but in fact, they should in fact be banned from hockey. I'm going to continue to play the clip for you in regards to Cal Beach. The the question I'm going to play the question again, and then and then uh, allow you to listen to the answer. Here we go. My life was changed forever. Coming out of those uh, those moments when the abuse took place, uh, I, I can't imagine what the subsequent days were like before we get into you know how it's affected you over the last eleven years. But what was it like in the days immediately after? Confusion. What were some of the emotions that you were feeling? Uh, to be honest, I I was scared mostly. I was fearful. I had had my career threatened. I felt alone and dark. Um, sorry, I'm, it's tough to recall these moments. Um, I think mostly I, I felt like I was alone and there was nothing I could do and nobody I could turn to for help. And I didn't know what to do. As a 20-year-old, I would never dream or you could never imagine being put in this situation by somebody that's supposed to be there to help you and to make you a better hockey player and a better person and continue to build your career and um just just scared and alone with no idea what to do who was the first person that you told about this the first person I ever mentioned it to was uh, Paul Vincent uh, in a San Jose hotel when we were traveling with the team. Um, Paul Vincent's an, an amazing man, and I've seen everything that he's done since this has come out public as well. And I have I don't have the words to express my express my appreciation for for Paul. He. I tried to do everything he could back then and when it came to public light he stood his ground and spoke his truth and um it's it's men like him that make hockey great and if you talk to anybody from the boston area um i was flown out to boston as a as a prospect after i was drafted to work with paul and ever since then we've had a great relationship and i always loved working with paul and he's probably the most highly regarded skills coach there is in the Boston area. And not, and not only the Boston area, but the hockey world. Kyle, when did you tell your family about this? And how much did you tell them? And what was their reaction? Oh, 
I don't remember exactly when I told them. Uh, it was shortly after it had happened in the summer. Um, my mom cried for days. She felt responsible. She felt like she should have protected me. And there was nothing she could do. And after that first conversation with them, we never spoke about it again uh, until very recently. Um, I never brought it up and they respected my privacy. They would ask if I was okay and let me talk about what I wanted to talk about. And um, I did what I thought I had to do to, to survive, to continue chasing my dream. And that was to not think about it, to not talk about it, to ignore it. And um, that's all I could do because I was threatened and my career was on the line. And if I had that in my head, then there was no way I was going to be able to perform at the top of my top of my capabilities for those of you that are just tuning in i'm playing uh the the interview between cal beach and rick westhead um last night this was conducted on tsn sports center in canada um if you've been following sports if you've been following hockey the big bombshell that has basically been unleashed within the last 36 hours that Cal Beach revealed himself as the John Doe in the Chicago Blackhawks um, sex assault uh, scandal in which Cal Beach, he was a member of the Chicago Blackhawks team. He was part of the Black Aces during their Stanley Cup championship run in 2010. The part that that makes it incredibly disturbing, in my opinion, is is that he talked about how he felt alone, that he couldn't turn to anybody. And I think that's really an indictment against hockey culture in which that they are taught, and I never played hockey in any any stretch of the imagination, so I can only say but so much, but I'm going to speak out against some of the toxic toxicity that exists within hockey culture, including... When you see something that's wrong, whether it's hazing or it's bullying or sex assault, you turn the other way, you don't talk about it or anything like that. And I think that is absolutely disgraceful. It's absolutely disgraceful that here you have someone who is supposed to be under your care, under your supervision, under your tutelage, and as he talked about, they was they're supposed to be they're supposed to protect them yet they knew about it and they did absolutely nothing. Cal talked about Paul Vincent. He talked about how he was the first one that that he he was the first one that that um that he Cal himself turned to after it happened on the staff as well as how Cal turned to his mom just just not long after it first happened and how she cried for days. And it's just, it's so heavy. It's so disturbing. It's so bothersome that anybody that has some sort of a soul cannot sit here and pretend that this doesn't bother them or this doesn't affect them in any shape and way. I have a very hard time looking at the Chicago Blackhawks organization the same. 
This has got nothing to do with sports. It's got nothing to do with rivalries. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the fact that the Blackhawks beat the Bruins in the Cup Final. This this has everything to do with the fact that you chose to absolutely disregard a human being for the sake of we don't want any distractions because we're in the midst of a championship chase. To hell with you. To absolutely hell with you and everything that has to do with the Chicago Blackhawks organization from that time and everyone that was associated with the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks. To hell with you. And I don't mean, I don't, I am not going to be sorry for anything that I have just said. For people such as Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Patrick Sharp, Dustin Bufflin, every single member, including the head coach, Joel Quinville, who disgracefully coached last night during the Bruins and Panthers game, knowing what was unfolding, knowing what happened, as if nothing happened, nothing matters, everything is vanilla and copacetic. I'm going to continue to play this clip. From the interview that was again, this is from TSN last night, Sports Center in Canada. Rick Westhead and Cal Beach talking about what happened. And Cal Beach reveals himself as John Doe in the Chicago Blackhawks scandal. Take a listen. After um you went to the man to after management was told about what had happened, Brad Aldrich remained with the team for weeks. What was that like, watching him on a daily basis interact with the team, seeing him at the, you know, at the parade, getting a Stanley Cup ring later that summer, having a day with the Stanley Cup? To be honest, Rick, I think the only way I can describe it is that I felt sick. I felt sick to my stomach. I reported this, and I was made aware that it made it all the way up the chain of command by Doc Gary and nothing happened. It was like his life was the same as it was the day before. The same every day. And then when they won, to see him paraded around, lifting the cup at the parade, at the team pictures, at the celebrations, it made me feel like nothing. It made me feel like I didn't exist. It made me feel that I wasn't important. And it made me feel like that he was in the right and I was wrong. And that's also what Doc Gary told me was that it was my fault because I put myself in that situation. I had to pause it there. This is, this is the part right here that had me the most upset. Doc Gary telling a sex assault victim that it is your fault. First and foremost, how bleeping dare you? How dare you turn around and blame the victim of a sexual assault and to make it out that it is his fault or her fault? 
That in itself is an absolute slap to the face to the victims of sexual assault and rape and sex abuse. And then the part that makes this whole thing especially disheartening is the fact that, as you heard Cal B say in the clip, that they acted as if that he didn't matter. And that his words did not matter. And to watch Brad Aldridge parade around with the Stanley Cup, knowing what he did, was an insult and a slap in the face to Cal Beach in particular. If you don't understand the level of rage that I'm feeling, let me explain to you something here, right here, right now. I don't know about you or if you know someone who has been raped, sexually assaulted, or anything like that. But the first thing that they need is your support. They need to know that they absolutely are believed. Because too many times, too many times that we have heard and seen stories where the victims come out and tell people, the people that are in authority, what happened and that they're told, we don't believe you. It's your word against his word or, or, or so forth. And that's exactly what happened in the case of Cal, uh, Cal Beach. So frankly, to the leadership, to the management of the Chicago Blackhawks, that every single one of them needs to be held liable. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. This, this is not a debate. Like, we're so wrapped up in hockey culture and it's about what happens in the locker room, stay in the locker room. Meanwhile, you have people like Akeem Alou who are treated unjustly. You have people like Cal Beach who are sexually assaulted and told that we don't believe you and that you don't matter. To hell with hockey culture. Hockey culture doesn't mean a damn thing when it comes to the rights and the well-being of the people that are inside those locker rooms. Like, to me, hockey culture doesn't mean a damn thing at this point. It means nothing. Absolutely nothing. When you have a player who is sexually assaulted, a player being called the N-word and all the rest racist epitomes. And the fact that the NHL thought that, well, perhaps finding them $2 million was going to cut it. It doesn't cut it. It doesn't do it. What about Cal Beach's life? The man had to go to Germany to, go, to continue to pursue his dream as a hockey player. At the end of the day, the most sickening part of all of this is that you chose, and when I say you, I mean the Chicago Blackhawks. They chose a championship above human decency, and that is not okay. That is not okay. I'm going to continue to play this clip because we're going to go through this piece by piece. As I'm aware, I got only maybe a half hour left, and that's completely fine, but we're going to make the most of it. As I mentioned, this is Rick Westhead. Interviewing Cal Beach last night on TSN Sports Center in Canada. Here we go. And the co combination of these and him being paraded around 
them letting him take the Stanley Cup to a high school with kids after they knew what had happened. There's no words to describe it, right? There really isn't. Doug Gary, of course, is James Gary, the uh, Jim Gary, the Blackhawks mental skills coach and counselor uh, at that time. Um, Kyle, how you, you've carried this for 11 years, and I don't even know if it's possible to put into words the impact it's had on you. Can you try? To be honest, Rick, I'm just beginning that process. I suppressed this memory and buried this memory to chase my dreams and pursue the career that I loved and the game that I love of hockey. And the healing process is just beginning. And yesterday was a huge step in that process. Um, but until very recently, I did not talk about it. I did not discuss it. I didn't think about it. But now that I'm beginning to heal and I look back, it, it definitely had impacts on my life. I did stupid things. I acted out. I snapped. I did things that I never, never could imagine doing. I relied on alcohol. I relied on drugs. And I'm just so relieved with the news that came out yesterday that I've been vindicated and I can now truly begin the healing process. I mean, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to carry that weight for 11 years. 11 years. The only ones that know are the people that you tell and the people who were involved in the organization. That's a heavy burden to carry, for anyone to carry. We are going to take a break. When we return, we are going to continue this conversation. We're going to continue to play select parts of this interview because we need to, we need to talk about this. I, I'm just... I'm shaking with anger still because it really is sickening when you begin to think about the fact that this happened and for this to be completely washed aside and swept aside as if it didn't even matter or it didn't even happen is just, it makes me sick to my stomach. We're going to step aside for a music break. Coming up next, we're going to continue with this discussion. As mentioned, you're listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. shining 
through To make those rainbows in my mind When I think of you sometime And I want to spend some time with you Just the two of us Thank you. 
I hear the crystal raindrops fall on the window down the hall, and it becomes the morning dew. And darling, when the morning comes and I see the morning sun, I wanna be the one with you. Just the two of us. Welcome back to the Shakri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Touch Freeform Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. I want to take this time now to play the, um, the PSA for the hour right here on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. To some people, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much. But that's not necessarily true. By six months, they're combining vowels and consonants. By nine months, they're trying out different kinds of sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on some meaning. Especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Early screening and intervention can make a lifetime of difference and unlock a world of possibilities. Take the first step at AutismSpeaks.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You're listening to 91.5 FM WMFO and Medford Touch Reform Radio. Just taking the... hour to talk about the Cal Beach story because this is something that um, in sports I believe this happens far too often in which that in which that like the victims are often unheard and often not believed and when we think about major stories involving sexual assault and rape in professional sports you think of most recently 
um, that U.S. gymnast uh, doctor, uh, L- L- Larry Nassar, hopefully I got his name correctly, um, as well as uh, we talked about just momentarily um, Jerry Sandusky yesterday. We also talked about uh, the Cal Beach story um, very briefly, but today this is the first time we have the opportunity to actually go into detail um, about it. So we're just going to jump straight right back into the clip um, between Rick Westhead and Kyle Beach. This is courtesy of TSN last night, and this is the continuation of the interview. Here we go. Kyle, I want to talk about that healing process in a second, but um, you court documents show that uh, you've said that some of your teammates after the fact started using homophobic slurs. Uh, and for legal reasons, we won't, we won't name names. Um, but how often was that happening? And how frequently was it? Ha- how frequently was it happening? Where was it happening? And how soon after the assault was that happening? Word spread pretty quick. Um, I do believe that everybody in that locker room knew about it because the comments were made in the locker room. They were made on the ice. They were made around the arena with all different people of all different backgrounds, players, staff, media in in the presence. So and when Nick Boynton and Brent Sopel say everybody knew in that locker room, you think they're telling the truth? I 100% believe both of them. That is in self damning in every sense. That whole sequence right there, as you just heard, Cal Beach literally said it himself. Everybody in that locker room knew what happened to Cal Beach. And the fact that, as I mentioned, everybody knew, the head coach knew, Joel Quinville knew, makes this absolutely disgusting. And see... The criticism that I have of hockey culture and, and what that whatever the hell that's supposed to mean is is that when things like this happen, we're not we're not having conversations about this. And that's problematic. That's very problematic. How is it that your teammates know? They don't even stand up for you. How does that sit with you? That shouldn't sit well with you at all. In fact, what makes me disgusted, what makes me mad when I think about it and when I listen to that is that they all knew they wanted to protect the bad guy, so we're just going to act like nothing happened. That's the issue. How is it that we can sit here and the NHL can... Parade this cause of hockey is for everyone. That it's all about diversity and inclusion and all that stuff. Meanwhile, oh, sexual assault and rape? Shh. It's no big deal. Hey, hey, hey. It's his word against your word. What are you going to do about it? Hmm? That's the problem. If you want to call in, feel free to do so. I'm here with you for another 12 minutes or so, 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. This is the second heaviest 
radio program that I have done in my well over two years that I've been a part of the station, the heaviest being the Kobe Bryant tribute show that I did two days after he passed away. But this is a pretty heavy story in its own right. And you've heard me say this already, but I want to say it again. I'm talking about this for good reason. Because we need to have a conversation. We need to talk about how and why did a locker room full of supposed teammates, supposed brothers, know that this happened and did not take a stand, nor did the head coach decide that, you know what, we're going to report this. We're going to take criminal action. We're going to take legal action. Forget about policy within the organization because clearly that didn't work. But no one stood up. That is my problem. Well, let's let's go back to the interview between Rick Westhead, excuse me, and Kyle Beach. Here we go. And I haven't spoken to either of them since the last time I would have ran into them at a training camp. I do not know them. I do not have a personal relationship with them. I do not have their phone numbers. I have not spoken to them. So for them to come forward to corroborate the story, I I owe them a huge thank you as I do Paul Vincent, yourself, and many, many others. John Torchetti, my family and friends for supporting me, my girlfriend Bianca for being there for me every single day because reliving this and having to dig back to those memories for the investigation, for the lawsuit, having to tell my story over and over has not been easy. It's been the hardest thing I've ever gone through, but at the same time, it's a huge step. I realize now in the healing process, but for those individuals that came forward early on with absolutely nothing to gain, They're heroes to me. They really are. Because when I was alone and I was afraid and I was scared, I didn't think I could turn to anyone. Even when this first came out, the Blackhawks denied it. They said they didn't, but they said they did an investigation. They said my claims were meritless. To me, I took that as them telling, saying to the world that I was a liar, that I was lying. And to have these individuals like Paul Vincent and Nick Boynton and Torchetti and Sopel come forward, then I knew I wasn't alone. And I can never thank them enough for doing that because it gave me the strength to continue forward with this. I mean, wow. Wow. If you are, I'm sorry, but the NHL really really needs to take severe action. And I mean severe action. Because this now falls on the, the president of the Players Association, Donald Fear. This now falls on the shoulder of Gary Bettman. And I'm, I'm almost rendered speechless on air right now. And I do mean almost. How how do you sit here and you have an entire organization that you play for? 
practically call you a liar after you you've gone to the people that you were supposed to go to to report this and practically call you a liar in front of the whole world. Like, how does that make a human being feel? That say, hey, um, I need to tell you something. I'm a victim of sexual assault and so-and-so did this to me. And to have that basically thrown in your face and say, oh, we did an investigation that and that your claims was meritless. As it turned out, it wasn't meritless. And then, I don't know how many of you had the opportunity to, to hear what Jonathan Taze had to say regarding what he knew about the Cal Beach sexual assault incident with the Chicago Blackhawks staff member Brad Aldrich. I mean, this sounded like a guy that said, hey, you know what? It, this had nothing to do with me. I, I just want to stay out of it. You know what? How on earth as a captain, as a so-called captain, is it that you, you knew, and you heard it directly from Cal Beach himself in the previous clip, everybody in the locker room knew. Head coach, captain, they all knew and didn't do a damn thing. That in itself does not sit well with me, and it shouldn't sit well with you. So now, where does the accountability come into play? Where does it kick in if you're the, the, the NHL? I, I'm trying to put words together without going over the top and expressing my anger with the Chicago Blackhawks organization that knew about this, that knew everything that went on, but nevertheless said, it's about the championship. We don't care about what happened to you or what happens to you. There is a serious problem with that in professional sports in terms of how do organizations treat matters as such as this as a priority. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how how do you bounce back from that. I I don't, I don't know if you can. I don't know if I don't know. I don't even know if it's possible. I want to take a I want to take a break because I, I need to find some sort of respite to to give myself the opportunity to just reset. Coming up next, I'm going to give you my final thoughts right here on the Sugar Rice Show special edition, filling in for cold cuts today, right here on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. That's music in the air and I 
Back to the Sugar Red Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Touch Reform Radio streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app. Want to give you my final thoughts while Give Me the Night is playing in the background since I only got a couple of minutes left. And coming up after this show, you're going to have the desperate hours coming up right after this program. That is going to be from 6 to 8 right here on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. So, off day. World Series, Astros tied it up last night, winning 7-2 to with a tie of the best of seven in the World Series. So we do know at least that baseball season has minimum, at minimum, three more days left. Games three, four, and five will be tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday, respectively. That's that's one. Number two, also, I want also want to also quickly point out, Bruins, they are playing tonight in Carolina Against the Hurricanes. They lost last night to the Florida Panthers 4-1. to And it was a really good game. It was a really good game. But the Bruins, they did not. And I mean, they did not play well in the second and third periods. Where where like they struggled to keep pace, to keep tempo up against this, this really good Florida Panthers team. That is looking like more and more as a formidable threat in the Eastern Conference. So that was a tough one. And then last night, I was at the Celtics game, and the Celtics, <laughs> they absolutely did not play well at all. I mean, they did not play well at all in that in their loss against the Washington Wizards. So that was a tough one to watch. So I just wanted to give you my final thoughts on what happened last night. And coming up next, in about just under three and a half minutes from now, you're going to have... The Desperate Hours. DJ Alex will take over in this seat from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. right here on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Hopefully all of you have a great night ahead and that you all are going to make the most out of what is going to be a pretty eventful Halloween weekend that is descending upon everyone. This is Shukri Wright signing off. Desperate Hours is coming up next. You're listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford.
Yeah, boy. 